0: We're going to continue in the series of Advent and we're looking at the the theme of joy this Sunday and um, Jackie Burchill will um, come up and um, light the the candles this morning under the theme of joy.
1: Prepare the way of the Lord. We light this candle in joy, the joy that we have in Jesus our Saviour. Prepare then the way of the Lord. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder.
0: Father God, we thank you for the great joy that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to redeem us, to rescue us from our sin, that we might live for you and love you as our King. And so Father, we, we pray that you would help us to do that this morning, to be able to worship you in spirit and truth, as we rejoice in the coming of the King in our lives. Amen. Before Neil comes up to preach the word, we're going to hear, from, uh, hear the words uh, Red and Tash White. is going to lead that.
1: So our reading is from Isaiah 9 today, starting at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
2: Thanks, Sash. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Let's pray as we come to, to God's word. Psalm 16 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Father God, we do thank you for the joy of being in your presence now. And we thank you that in your word you have revealed to us the path of life. We pray this morning that you would show us that again more clearly. That if we're not yet walking in it, that you would um, enable us to do that. And if we are, Lord, you'd help us to stick closely to that path. The path that leads to life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what are the source of things in life that bring you joy. Maybe it's having a get-together with friends or family. Maybe going to the theater or the cinema. Maybe going out for a meal, going on holiday, meeting with God's people for, for worship. All things which at some point this year we have sadly had to, to go without. And so it'd be difficult to describe 2020 as a year of joy. For many it's been a year of sadness, And often despair. But in his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes this. He writes to the Christians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So how can we do that when all those things that cause us joy have been taken away? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning Our sermon series in the lead up to Christmas we are focusing on Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 7 under the heading Christmas Gifts. These gifts are not what you might uh, expect to find wrapped up under the Christmas tree. These are spiritual gifts from God. Last week we looked at the gift of light. Next week we'll be looking at the gift of peace. After Christmas we'll be looking at the gift of justice and righteousness. But today the gift we are considering is the gift of joy. And what all these gifts have in common is that the source of them is the same. It is Jesus Christ. The good news that is prophesied in this passage is that Jesus will come. In verse 6 it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. When the angel appeared to the shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem, 700 years later, his message was that that promise had been fulfilled. In Luke 2, it says, do not be afraid. I bring the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The child who was promised hundreds of years earlier has now been born and his birth will cause great joy for all the people. For all people then and for all people today. So what are the aspects of joy that Jesus' birth will cause? Well firstly, God has given us the gift of joy of being part of his holy nation. Have a look down at verse 3 there. There it says, You have enlarged the nation And increased their joy at that time the nation of Israel had been divided into two kingdoms and both kingdoms had been warned about what would happen if they continued to disobey God they'd be defeated by enemy nations and taken into exile the northern kingdom was about to be taken into captivity by Assyria and the southern kingdom of Judah would be defeated by Babylon about 130 years later All that will be left of those who worship God will be a remnant. But out of that remnant, God promises he will build his kingdom. Chapter 11 of Isaiah, God says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. And later on in chapter 37 it says Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Out of the stump or out of the remnant will come a shoot and a branch. Branch refers to the Messiah, Jesus. When he comes He will establish his kingdom and gather his people to be a part of it. The promise God made to Abraham that all nations on earth will be blessed through his offspring will come true as God gathers both Jews and Gentiles into his holy nation. Or as Colin said last week, the reason uh, this passage in chapter nine of Isaiah describes a future event in the past tense, you have enlarged the nation and increase their joy, is that it expresses a certainty of what will happen. It's known as the prophetic, perfect tense. Of course, we now live the other side of that prophecy, uh, the other side of the coming of Jesus. We know it to be true. If we're Christians, we belong to God's holy nation that has been enlarged. That nation is far more important than the nation of the United Kingdom. Yes, we're called to submit to the the authorities that God has placed over us in this nation, but we have a greater allegiance to the one true king, the creator of the universe. 2,000 years ago, God's uh, holy nation was still a tiny remnant. Today, it comprises hundreds of millions of people throughout the world and across the the centuries. There are many who have already gone to glory, who have already received their promised inheritance. So although if you, if you are a Christian here this morning or watching online, and you feel that you're like you're in a tiny minority in this country, don't be discouraged. As you go into school tomorrow or into the workplace, don't worry that you may feel you are on your own. God is with you. That's the most important thing and you are part of a much bigger thing. If you're watching this online and uh, because you're exploring what it means to, to follow Jesus and you're worried that um, your friends might think you've just gone a bit mad. What is more important, to do what the, the God of the universe wants you to do or simply to do what other people do? People will be here today and go on tomorrow. But God is eternal. The joy of being part of God's holy nation is not just about knowing you're part of a bigger thing. It's also that you can experience a greater intimacy with your fellow believers. You're connected, not just through your genes as you would be with your family members, through your hobbies or interests as you would be with your friends, or with the fact that you're working together on something as you would be with your colleagues. You have a deep spiritual connection with your fellow believers. You're the same Heavenly Father. You will spend eternity together. And that connection means that however different we may be in personality, in temperament, whatever different interests may we may have, however awkward or annoying we may find one another, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to seek to love each other as Christ loves us which means we want to rejoice in what we have in common. We will rejoice in the real meaning of Christmas rather than just in the presents and the food. We want to help each other and should find it easier to forgive each other when we uh, get it wrong, as we often will. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Well, secondly, God has given us the joy of being in his presence. Look at the second part of verse 3. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. The greatest joy that any of us can experience is to be before God, to be in his presence. That joy is compared here with how people rejoice at the the harvest which God supplies At the dividing of plunder after a victory in battle, which God achieves. It's a comprehensive joy. When the angels appeared to the shepherds on the hillside around Bethlehem, we're told the glory of the Lord shone around them. Why? Because they've been in the presence of God. They radiate his glory. They they cannot help but praise God, saying glory to God in the highest heavens. The first thing that changes when we become Christians is that we are able to come into the presence of God. We're not worthy to because he is a holy God and we are all sinners. Which is why when the Apostle Peter realized who Jesus was, he said to him, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus broke down that barrier when he took the punishment for our sins and made us righteous in the sight of God it means that one day we will see him face to face and experience him in all his glory but what about now when we can't see him well we can still experience the joy of coming into his presence let's turn to Psalm 16 which expresses the joy of being in God's presence it's right in the middle of the Bible Psalm 16 let's just look at this briefly and what we see here firstly, is God is all we need Yes, everything we get from him is a blessing. But it is he himself who is really what we need. Take away all that other stuff that brings us joy. And we still have God. Which is why although this year COVID has taken away much of what brings us joy, we can still rejoice because we have God. Verse 5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. If we take God away... We can have all the worldly blessings we want, but they will not bring us lasting joy. Apart from you, he says, I have no good thing in verse two. He makes us feel secure. Verse one, in you I take refuge. If we keep our eyes always on him, then whatever comes along, we shall not be shaken. Verse nine, therefore my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure. Whatever may happen to our bodies, we may still rest secure in the presence of God. Why? Because he will never leave us, verse 10. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. We have the joy of the promise of eternal life with God, being in his presence forever. It's great to know that promise and that God is with us all this time, but what does living in the presence of God look like in this life? How do we enjoy it? it's like people living together in the same household. Um, At one level, it's reassuring to know that uh, you're not on your own, but if you're not talking to each other or, or doing anything together because you're so focused on something else, then you're not really enjoying each other's presence, are you? The precious and, uh, and busyness of this life can mean we lose our joy in the presence of God. That's why it's important at times to withdraw from, from the world, from what we're doing, spend more concentrated time with God. Spend time with God in prayer, just as Jesus did. We're told that he often withdrew to, to lonely places uh, to pray. And that's where the real joy comes from when being in God's presence. At a minimum, that's uh, having a so-called quiet time each day of reading your Bible, listening to God, praying with him. But it's also good to, I think sometimes deliberately, put in your diary an extended time with God. Because as we were looking at uh, yesterday morning in the men's breakfast, uh, on the subject of meditation, we read there in Psalm 1, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. One of the things I did earlier this year before lockdown when I was feeling quite tired in many ways was to go away for a week to a Christian retreat center and spend the week in prayer and reading, just spend the time in God's presence. It was wonderful to enjoy that, to experience His his spiritual rest. Another way of enjoying God's presence is in corporate worship, worship, when again we can be focused on him without all the other distractions around us. It's a wonderful way of joining those two blessings, isn't it? The blessing of being part of his holy nation and the joy of being in his presence, to bring them together. And for many of you, that has not been possible this year. And that's been one of the hardest things, isn't it? Let's pray So we'll all be able to do that again very soon. Well, thirdly, God has given us the joy, the gift of joy, of salvation from sin and oppression. Having said that, you have enlarged their nation and increased their joy. Isaiah gives three reasons in each of the following three verses for that joy. And each of the verses begins with the word for or because although it's dropped out of the English translation in verse 5. The first one is in verse 4, where we see that God promises a victory, a physical victory and a spiritual victory. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. In case you don't know the story of Midian's defeat, you can read about it in the book of Judges, verses 6 to 8. And we're told there that because Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. But although God may give his people over to their enemies at times to, to teach them and discipline them, that doesn't mean that their enemies are not responsible for their actions. The country of Midian enslaved and oppressed God's people treated them badly. And so God raised up Gideon to defeat them and to deliver his people. Gideon called together men from the, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, which are mentioned in verse 1 of chapter, Isaiah chapter 9. And altogether 32,000 troops were mustered against the enemy army of 135,000. But even those those odds were were stat against them. God actually reduced the troops down to 300. 300 against 135,000. To demonstrate that actually this victory was God's victory. This wasn't down to uh, courageous, brave soldiers. This was down to God. And so we're told in verse 4 that God shattered the yoke, the burdensome, the bar across their shoulders, the rod their oppressor. well when Jesus came hundreds of years later the people of Israel were expecting something similar that the Messiah would free them from the oppression of the Romans but Jesus came to free them from other burdens we read in Matthew 11 where Jesus invites people to come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Burdens he was talking about were the burdens of living in a broken world trying to find a solution in our own strength trying to prove ourselves to make ourselves acceptable to God. That way Jesus said leads to guilt to despair, to failure. Jesus said, let me come into your life and I will walk with you. I will carry your burdens. I will bring you rest for your souls. The burdens we carry are caused by sin. And Jesus said, I bring you forgiveness. I bring you peace with God because I will give up my life to defeat sin and death verse 5 shows that there will be no more war but peace. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. Just as God achieved the victory over Midian and enabled the people of Israel to live in peace in the promised land. So Jesus achieved the victory over sin and death through his own death and resurrection. And his victory enabled us to experience the love of God. It's when we realize that death is now no longer the end, because not even death can separate us from the love of God, that we no longer need to be afraid. We can instead experience joy in our hearts at what Jesus has achieved for us. It means that when we attend the funeral service of a a brother or sister in Christ, we're sad because we, we miss them, we mourn there they're going at the same time we can rejoice for them because they've gone to be with the Lord they are in a far better place God has given us the joy of salvation from sin and oppression and finally God has given us the gift of joy through the coming of his son third use of four after describing the joy of God's people comes in verse six or that well known verse for. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We'll look more at that verse next week, but let's have a quick look at the fulfillment of that promise in Matthew chapter 2, because in describing the Magi from the East, it says in Matthew 2.10, When they saw the star... They were overjoyed. Literally, they rejoiced with great joy. They were overwhelmed with joy. And it continues on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What was it about the birth of this baby that caused them to be overwhelmed with joy? They knew that this was not just some new human king who had been born in another another country. This was the one true universal king who will reign forever. And they would do anything to meet him, to come into his presence, including trekking hundreds of miles, presumably by a camel. It might seem strange to, to bow down and worship a baby and give him such expensive gifts, but this was God who had taken on human form and they'd come into his presence and and their lives were never going to be the same again. What was the point of the gifts? Well, yes, they were gifts fit for a king. But it was saying that this divine child could give them something they could never get anywhere else. True, lasting joy. So like the, the woman who poured really expensive perfume on Jesus' head... To give up these precious gifts was not to somehow hope for something else in return, it was to say, however much I value these things, they are nothing compared to how much I value you. You are the true source of joy and purpose in my life that nothing else will give me. When we have the joy of Jesus in our lives. It affects everything, including uh, what we do with our money and our time. To give up something of value to us, whether it is our money or our time, is to say that there is nothing I can spend that money on that will bring me greater joy than the joy I get from you. There is nothing I can do with my time that would bring me greater joy than the joy I get from you. We're going to take the Lord's uh, Supper in a minute to conclude our worship. And what we're doing here is not just um, remembering what Jesus did for us, but rejoicing in God's gift to us, his gift of joy. The gift of belonging to his holy nation as we share in the supper together and express that communion together. The gift of communion that we have the risen Lord Jesus, that we are in his presence right now the gift of salvation from sin and oppression. And that all of that was possible through the coming of Jesus into this world as a baby to live a perfect life in order to die for our sakes. Jesus came so that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be complete. Let's pray. Father God, we think of that um, exhortation from Paul that we read earlier on, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And Lord, it's been a hard year for us to, to rejoice, to find joy, because so much has been taken away, so much that we treasure. But we thank you that our real treasure is in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that you sent him into this world we thank you that through him we can experience a freedom and forgiveness and eternal life with you that we can come into your presence and experience that wonderful joy of being with you lord that we bless uh, we pray your blessing on us now as we take communion to celebrate all that you've given for us in jesus name amen
0: just gonna read, uh, Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, it'd be helpful just maybe to keep it open. Or flick to it on your phone or whatever. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The wonderful thing about Psalm 23 really is, it it speaks of a reality. Um, It speaks of a a real uh, challenge of life, um, but also a real true blessing and, and a joy as well as we experience that. That we might be able to have a meal in the Lord's presence. That it is the Lord's Supper as we come together and celebrate that together. As we think about that, especially in verse 5, you know, as we have walked through the valley of, of, of darkness or the shadow of death, it says in verse 5, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows the image of a a cup overflowing as we saw in psalm 16 this element of just a a true sense of joy and overflowing of our cup that we might really celebrate in the joy that we have in our lord jesus that he has come to give us this joy and how does he give us that joy well as we think about that as we think about verse um, 4 there just before it, it says even though i walk through the darkest valley or the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It speaks of the reality of life, often that we do go through some dark times, that we, go, we walk through some dark times. But it also speaks of our Lord Jesus, who didn't just walk in the shadow of death, but he walked to his death on the cross. He took upon himself all of our sins that we might be able to rejoice in the life that he gives us. That actually, as we think about it, as it says in verse 5, my cup would overflow because of what our Lord Jesus has done for us. And not just walking in the shadow of death, but walking to his death for our sake. That we might rejoice in the new life and the salvation that we have in him. As we think about that, we can ultimately just praise the Lord. We want to praise the Lord. But maybe for you, that's not true of you this morning. Maybe maybe that isn't the case. that You haven't accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your life. As we pass around the symbols, please um, don't feel embarrassed to, to not take one. Just let it pass. But maybe take the time to reflect upon that truth of whether you would want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, that you might experience the joy that was spoken of, that your cup would overflow with the joy that he brings us. And so, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, we remember that his body was broken for us, and his blood was shed for us. And so, as he said, we do this in remembrance of the forgiveness of sins that we have in him. We thank you that we can come to you knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that we remember this meal together, knowing that you have cleansed us of all of our sin, that our our sins have been washed away. And we thank you that your body was broken for us on the cross, that we might be able to come to you as whole people to worship you in spirit and truth and we thank you lord that that now in our lord jesus our cup overflows with the joy that you present to us because of what you've done for us on the cross so we thank you we praise you help us to live a life worthy of that sacrifice in jesus name amen Let me just read the the words of Psalm 23 again, just verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray just for a moment. Thank you, Father, for these truths, for the fact that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Help us to, to live in that perspective, to know that we, we, will, we will be with you and that you are with us even today, that our cup might overflow with the joy that you present to us, having given your life for us. And so we pray that you would help us to, to live a life which brings you pleasure and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.